Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. You've made the best decision you could possibly make by tuning your ear to the Word of God. I would love to invite you to stay updated with us on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at Revival House Church. Father, bless this person and let the seed of the Word multiply 30, 60, and 100 times over in Jesus' name. Fellowship with demons. I'll tell you why I believe this is such an urgent message for several reasons. Um, Go ahead and put that picture up. I took this picture yesterday, me and my wife, we were walking through Target. And I, I came across this thing called Disney Hocus Pocus Spellbook. I took this picture here. And I was like, what in the world? Disney Hocus Pocus. If you don't know, that's a little Disney movie called Hocus Pocus. I watched it as a kid, right? Innocent, sweet, no problem. It says, Hocus Pocus Spellbook, a guide to spells, portions, and hexes from the aspiring Salem witch. You think, oh, this will be some cute little thing. I opened it up, and one of the first pages was this. Go ahead and change the picture, please. Okay, you, there's no way you can see that. That's okay. I'll read it to you. I'm not going to read you the whole page, but I'll read you this, this portion here. This is a, this first page. It has a decree. You know how when you're a Christian, we lead people into like a sinner's prayer where we say, repeat after me, and you just have them believe in their heart, confess with their mouth, and dedicate their lives and pledge their allegiance to Jesus Christ, right? Well, you see this little Disney hocus pocus spell book, and you're thinking, oh, you know, it's probably just some cute little coloring book. No, this was on the first page. This is called a pledge to secrecy. And it says this. It says, thou hast dedicated thy life to witchcraft. With thy work coveted above all else, and with thine ancestors of witches who have come before. Thy sacrifice for solitude and focus will be worthy, are worth an eternity of glory. To invoke the patch of eternal promise, utter this sacred vow. And then there was a sacred vow for the rest of the page, basically saying, I vow myself to witchcraft. I vow myself to secrecy. I vow myself to committing myself to dark practices, sorcery, things like that. This was like the first, I couldn't even read. I began to read and there was actually different spells for different things all throughout the book. This was a Disney book sold in Target. And I thought everybody started commenting, right? And they were like, oh, Target, you know, they're the devil's store. We looked it up. Walmart sells the same book. It does. And it blew my mind because you know how many parents are going to buy their children something like that. And actually, this isn't just one isolated thing. This is a small glimpse of a major problem right now. And I don't just mean people of the world that, that, that are in the world that are going to buy their kids that book. There's, you know how many Christian parents are going to buy their kids a book like that? I'll go ahead and tell you, you know, the, the devil comes as an angel of light. Hollywood kind of messes things up because when people think of demon, 
they think of the full-on dark manifestation where the, the girl's sitting in the bed with her head spinning around and vomiting green slime. You know, the devil doesn't come. In fact, you've actually seen the real tactic of the enemy. You look at Netflix, there's shows like Lucifer that have come out now, and Woody, I've never watched it, but I've heard Lucifer, he's not de depicted as this horrible, demonic, dark, you know, he's depicted as a very handsome man who's wearing a suit, very sexy personality. You just see these kind of things taking place. And you think, hocus pocus, and I'll give you a very real example of this, right? That's innocent. It's just a children's movie. Most kids will watch it this, this fall. I'm just giving you one example. And what I'm going to share with you tonight and Sunday is something that I didn't know. I told the kids Friday night, I said, growing up, Halloween was actually my favorite holiday as a kid. I loved it. I loved everything. I loved the shows that came on. I loved the movie. I loved the whole, the pumpkins, and I loved, you know, just the whole season of it. I just, I just loved it. And I watched all of these shows because my family, I mean, we were saved, but we definitely lacked a lot of revelation. I think that we personally were very just American Christians. Uh, we claimed Jesus with our mouth, but denied him with our lives, no doubt. And so I watched all these movies as a kid, and about a year ago, I decided, right, that was a, I remember I had such good memories as a kid of, of watching these innocent, cute little movies. I decided to watch, uh, I said, you know, a, a year ago, I'll watch that with Emberly, and I watched it as a kid, and I, I wasn't even thinking. I had no idea about some of the stuff I'm going to share with you. A lot of people don't. We started watching about five minutes into it, and my wife, she's like, we don't, she shouldn't be watching this. And I felt in my spirit, I was like, you know what, honey, you're right. Like, this just really isn't that innocent. I feel like we, we should not be watching this. I kid you not, the next week, my daughter, Emberly began to scream in the middle of the night, daddy, daddy, daddy. We'd run into her room and she was having nightmares of, of a moon and these witches performing uh, seances. And I mean, at three years old, she was having these nightmares. She only watched five minutes of the movie. She didn't even have a chance to, you know, see that, but there was a spirit behind it. So here's kind of my whole point. How many people do you think would watch the cute movie that's kind of like comes as an angel of light? It's not that dark and not that sinister. And then think, oh, that was a cute movie. And then would go to Target and buy their children that book thinking it's just like the movie, and then all of a sudden their children's decreeing a vow to witchcraft. This is, this, this is just one example of a million that we could talk about. Fellowshipping with demons. So I'm going to begin to talk to you about a few things tonight. Let's just go ahead and dive right into this. I want to give you some facts about demons, understanding demons. I think it's very healthy to teach the church, to teach children, to teach the youth. And I felt it was appropriate. Coming up this month, I, I told the kids Friday I couldn't believe it. You know, we've been so busy and going. We got the baby and the ministry. And I walked into Walmart just a few weeks ago. I mean, I guess it's been longer than that now. And it was like before I could blink. It was the Halloween costumes and all of that stuff. And, 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 and we're entering into a time where a lot of people are going to celebrate these things this year. And I want to kind of just shed some light. 
on the strategy of the enemy. So you need to understand this. Number one, demons are very real. Demons are very real. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 12, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities. Another translation says principalities and powers of the unseen world against mighty powers and dark in the dark world and against evil spirits and heavenly places. This is actually a breakdown of the government of Satan. You have to understand, it's not just a bunch of random demons. The Bible calls Satan the prince of demons, calls him Beelzebub. It calls him the Lord of the flies. It calls him the prince of the air. Satan is the Lord of the demonic realm. Then you have principalities. What are principalities? They're demonic governors that sit over regions, that sit over territories. This was talked about in the book of Daniel. The angel came and talked to Daniel about the principality of Persia that was blocking his prayers, his, the manifestation of what he's praying for from coming to fruition. He had prayed to God, and for 21 days, the prayer was unanswered because of a principality over that territory blocking, blocking the answer. You know, the Bible talks about in the book of Revelation. He tells one of the churches, I know your struggle. I know that you live in the city where Satan has built his throne. It was Pergamum. Satan actually had erected, if you look at that history, they had a false god that they worshiped, and it was actually a demonic principality that dominated that region. So, there's different levels of demonic power. We'll talk about that. Principalities, powers, and it says evil spirits. What are evil spirits? They're demons. Another common ner- uh, term for evil spirits is unclean spirits. Very important. Unclean spirits. And so, you have to understand one of the points and facts about demons, I'm about to give you some facts about demons or evil spirits or unclean spirits, is that Satan, he's not God. He's not omnipresent. So God, he can be everywhere at once. God can be right here, right now, where two or three are gathered together. He said, there I'll also be. And if people in China were to get together, the Lord, the glory of the Lord fills the earth. He can be here. He can be there. He's omnipresent. He's all over the earth. Satan's not. Satan can't be here and in Syria at the same time. He's actually, I'm not going to get into the depths of the theology, but he is an angelic being. He has a spirit body. Angels actually can't possess people. So Satan doesn't possess. I know you're, you're probably thinking, well, what about the Bible where it says Satan entered into Ju- Judas and then he betrayed Jesus? When you study that out, it's not talking about possession. It basically just means that Judas aligned him. He aligned his thoughts. He aligned his actions. He aligned his motives with Satan. And so he was influenced by Satan. But Satan is a, a physical, it, this is weird, but a physical spiritual being you got to understand this. I didn't say he was a material being, he would, but he, was, he has a physical, spiritual body. Right? Jesus has a physical, spiritual body. After he was resurrected, you could talk to him. He ate. He drank. They felt the holes in his hands and in his side, but yet he could walk through walls. See, he was just a different dimensional being. You understand? He didn't have a flesh, material flesh. Like we do. Satan's the same way. 
And so Satan can't be in my life and your life and all of our lives. So that's where you have this different government of the demonic. You have principalities, you have powers, you have rulers, you have evil spirits. And so I'm going to give you some facts about demons. You can write these down if you'd like. I'll go through some of them here quickly. You need to understand this about demons. Demons are not ghosts of people who have died. Understand that. There's no such place in the Bible. I know you guys, some people that study the Bible that know say, well, what about Saul? He he went and saw a medium and then they saw an old prophet resurrected his ghost appeared if you study any theologian that wasn't really the ghost or the spirit of that prophet it was a demon spirit that was trying to deceive Saul that actually gives you insight so you need to understand that all these little horror movies that you see where you know somebody lived in this haunted house in the 1800s and now they say their spirit still haunts that house and if you walk around that house you can actually catch glimpses of of their their spirit that woman that man walking through the house no such thing in the bible to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord or to be absent from the body is to be present in hell when you die you don't your spirit doesn't linger around on this earth you immediately go stand before the lord or you go into the place of what we call hell it's not purgatory but really hell is the final judgment of the lake of fire when people die that are being preserved to go to hell, they go into the place that's known as the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's different terms throughout the Bible. There's Hades, there's Gehenna, there's, uh, it's not Tarsus, but it, it, it sounds like Tarsus. It's a different word used. And, and so that's actually improper theology. Well, this person died and they went straight to hell. No, they went to a horrible, wicked place that, that, is kind of our idea. When we think of hell, a lot of people think of a dark cave where it's uncomfortable and they're screaming and they're shouting and there's demons. People, people have died and went to hell. I believe those experiences. There's been people that have died and they've went to hell and what, you know, what we refer to as, as hell and they've seen, seen with their eyes demons on chains and just, just ripping people to shreds and, and horrible things like that. That's, that's an awaiting place. The actual eternity in hell is a lake of fire, okay? There is no cave in this lake of fire. There is no room in this lake of fire. Eternal judgment is like God opening the top of a, of a volcano, and it's molten lava, and you're thrown into molten lava where you, you, you just remain in that state for eternity, never able to die you know, you're on fire, you're literally suffering, you're suffocating, but you can't, you can't die. You're burning alive, but you can't die. Not for a thousand years, not for a million years, not for 10 million years or a billion years. There is no end to it. That's why people don't understand that you're playing games with hell. I like watching videos of people evangelizing and winning souls. And I was watching one of a guy who was out at Huntington Beach in California trying to win souls. And, and this guy was just laughing. And he was like, well, if I go to heaven, I don't know. I'll go to heaven or I'll go to hell. I'll go to one or the other. I don't know. If I go to heaven, I'm sure I'll have some friends. If I go to hell, I'm sure I'll make some other friends, you know, down in the dark cave with the demons. And I'll, I'll go hang out with the little rock stars that are down there. No, I'm telling you, you won't, there won't be conversation in the lake of fire. 
You understand that? There won't be conversation. There won't be like, oh, what are you in for? Oh, you know, I killed a few people. What are you in for? Like, it'll be screaming, torment, agony, suffering. Because You have to understand this. You're like, that sounds horrible. It is. It was never meant, meant for people. It was meant for angelic beings that rebelled against God. It was never made for human beings that were made in the likeness and the image of God. And you need to understand this as well, is that God doesn't send anybody to hell. You have to choose to go to hell. He doesn't send anybody to hell. That sounds like an unjust God. He just picks and chooses, and, and then he sends you to hell. No, he gave you a choice. Today, I give you a choice, a choice between life and death. Oh, that you would choose life, that you would choose Jesus Christ. There's only one way to escape hell, and it's Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. It's only by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth and repenting of your sins and serving Jesus that you can escape hell. So you've got to understand this. Demons are not ghosts of people who have died. I'll give you a very healthy definition of a demon. They are disembodied persons that operate under the authority of Satan. If you are writing it down, I want you to... Get those two words, disembodied persons. Persons is important because when you study demonology, the study of demons throughout the Bible, the reason that you use the word persons is because they're intellectual. They think, they talk, they can communicate, they can deceive, they can teach. The Bible talks about the teaching of demons in the last days. I'll get to it Sunday probably. As I've been talking, there will be demons in people behind the pulpits and the demons will be teaching the doctrines. So they're intellectual beings, they're persons. But they're disembodied. That means they don't have a spiritual, a spiritual body. And you need to understand this about demons. It's clear through the scripture. They cannot operate in the material world except through possession of the bodies of men or beasts. Demons cannot operate operate in the material world except through possession so if they want to do anything in the material world they have to possess a vessel amen and so that's why it's important that you're understanding a person because when a demon well i'm sure we'll talk about a lot of this when a person is possessed or influenced and i'll make those distinctions in a moment by a demon you may say something like, that is not the person that I know. And in that moment, that's a fact. What you're dealing with is not the person that you know. In fact, it's an entirely different person. Man, they all of a sudden had this rage. And when that rage came on them, they literally became another person. You hit the nail on the head. It's literally another person. A disembodied person that has possessed that vessel that you're seeing manifest through them. Are you all with me? So you need to understand this facts about demons. Possession and influence are different. I'll talk about the stigma of... Demon possession. So let me kind of explain this. Did you know that over one-third, that's a low ball, over one-third, what is one-third? 33.33% at least of Jesus' entire recorded ministry was casting out demons, was deliverance ministry. 
over 33, and most, and some scholars say it's almost up to 50%. And I challenge you, as you begin to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, look page after page after page after page. He cast out devils. He went here and preached, and he cast out evil spirits. He went here, he cast out evil spirits, and all who were sick were healed. You see this reoccurring all throughout the Gospels. Everywhere that Jesus went, he dealt with evil spirits. You know, and, and, and this is also important. I love listening recently to Derek Prince. God's just been putting a lot of that in me. But when you think of possession or demonized, the Bible doesn't really use the word possession. It uses the word demonized. There's this idea that, and why a lot of Christians never get deliverance is because there's this idea that if you have a demon if you're influenced by a demon, they're like, you're this wicked, evil, awful, sinful, you know, horrible, dark person. And that's not true. When you read the ministry of Jesus, it was literally normal men, normal women, everyday men and women. They looked like normal men. They looked like more normal women. They talked, they functioned, but they were possessed or influenced by a disembodied, unclean spirit. Are y'all with me? And so here's interesting as well, over one-third of Jesus' ministry was deliverance. You need to understand this about demons. They don't die. So every demon that we read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the same demons are still on the earth today. So how is it that in Jesus' day, he cast out demons left and right again and again and again and again, and then we get to the modern time and we say, well, how come we don't see that anymore? It's not because the demons have left. It's because we've relabeled demons. We've relabeled. Well, back in Jesus' day, some of the symptoms, some of the manifestations, they identified it as a devil, as, as possession, as an unclean spirit. Being influenced by a demonic spirit today, we just put a different name on it. You know, we just put a, another name, ADHD, autism, this, that. And we put a, a pharmaceutical Band-Aid on demonic influence. So you need to understand every demon that's recorded in the scripture, is still here today. And what are they here doing? They're seeking embodiment. The Bible says the enemy prowls around. The enemy is not just one person. It's not just Lucifer. It's not just Satan. It's the whole demonic, demonic realm, prying around like a roaring lion, seeking whom they may devour. So what does that mean? Demons are, are disembodied spirits who are seeking embodiment are constantly on the prowl looking for an open door to embody, to possess, to occupy, to influence a person. And I am actually convinced today more than ever before that many Christians in the church, people that call themselves believers that are in the church house are demonized many of them are demonized and they don't even know it and it doesn't mean that they're horrible evil wicked nasty perverted awful people that's not the case are y'all with me and that's the thing as well is that there's again there's different you think of a person having a demon your mind goes to possession 
where the demon overtakes that person and they're like a crazy person 24 hours a day. They're like a lunatic. And we'll look at this example in a moment of like the man that was out in the graveyard in the scriptures that was cutting themselves with stones, that was running around naked, that lived in the graves. You know, that's what we think of possession. But the, the King James in the original word, when you see demonic activity, uses the term demonized. It doesn't mean possession. It actually just means influenced. So what it means by influence is when somebody's influenced by a demon, somebody could literally be demonized, and that demon doesn't manifest every second of every day. You're like 90% of the time, they seem like a normal person. They talk, they act, they function, they can kiss their wife goodnight, they can go to sleep, but yet there's this area of their life where that demon spirit manifests itself. They're demonized, they're influenced by a demon in some way, shape, or form. An example of this is when Jesus is talking about going to the cross and Peter steps up and says, no, Lord, you can't do that. What did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. What was Jesus doing? Was Peter physically possessed by a devil? No, he wasn't foaming at the mouth, but he actually was demonized at that time. Where that, that was a moment of the manifestation of the spirit that was influencing what Peter was saying. Amen. Are y'all still with me? You need to understand this again. Demons, they seek to embody people. And, and, and this is what I wish people would understand. The devil wants you to think that demons are fun, they're cute. We play these games, we open these doors, we do these things. And it's just like some little spooky experience that we have that'll be a cool story to tell somebody else. Demons, Satan, the demonic realm have no mercy whatsoever. I know all of you in this room, none of us, what I mean by no mercy is none of us could fathom this. Could anybody fathom? I know this is gruesome, but taking a helpless child and holding their head under the water until their life has completely gone out of them. Could you imagine doing that? No, because you have mercy on the inside of you. You fathom putting your, your, your boot on a person's head. You, can't, you couldn't do it. You couldn't complete that action because you have mercy on the inside of you. A demon has no mercy. They have no mercy for your children. They have no mercy for your life. They have no mercy for anything whatsoever. There, whenever, the child, whenever the child's head's being held under the water, there's nothing in them that has mercy that says, don't do this, this is wrong. It's complete and utter wickedness. And people don't understand the doors that they're opening to these things. So this is just understanding. Number one, demons are very real. Number two, you need to understand this. There are different kinds of spirits. Jesus said this in Matthew 17, 19 through 21. The disciples were trying to cast out an evil spirit. They came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move, and nothing would be impossible for you. However, this kind, say this kind. So when Jesus said this kind, what was he making the distinction? Apparently there are different kinds of demons. 
This kind does not go out except by prayer and by fasting. Say this kind. So whatever the disciples were dealing with, who knows? Was it a principality? Was it a power? Was it an evil ruler? Was it a legion of demons? Because this is the other thing too. Because they're disembodied spirits, a person can have more than one demon. There was a man that had a legion. A legion means a thousand. It had a thousand demons. This kind only comes out but by prayer and through fasting. And so that tells you there's actually different kinds of evil spirits. I did a little digging. I'm going to have this for you. If you want this after service, come and, and we'll make sure to get you this. But there are actually 16 biblically named demonic spirits in the Bible. I found this resource. This is published by Oral Roberts University. So Oral Roberts, if you don't know who he was, a powerful man of God, healing evangelist, shook the United States of America, obviously an extremely credible source. His life was tested and proven from beginning to end, a man of God. This is published by Oral Roberts University. And so I'm not going to go through. This is basically talking about what the spirit is where the reference of the Spirit is in the Scripture, and then the solution or the antidote to get deliverance from this type of Spirit, what you need to release. And so I'll just read you some of these, though. Here's a list, the 16 different demonic spirits specifically listed in the Scripture. There's a spirit of divination. How does this Spirit manifest? This is in Acts 16, 16 through 18, a spirit of divination. I know we don't have these on the screen for you. I'm sorry. Should have been more prepared with that. I'll give this to anybody that wants it after service. A spirit of divination. This is a fortune teller, a soothsayer, a warlock, a Satanist, a witch, a druid, a pagan, horoscope. It says rebellion, hypnosis, enchanter, drugs. Anybody that you see dealing with those things has a spirit of, di of divination according to Acts 16, 16 through 18. And then he gives tons of references. Micah 5, 12, Isaiah 2, 6, Exodus 22, 18, Deuteronomy 18, 11. I began to fact check these things today while studying, going through the scripture. And I was telling my wife, I said, man, honey, this is crazy. When you begin to open up this can of worms, you see how it's all throughout the scripture that we just gloss over this stuff a lot of times. This is a spirit of divination. There's what the Bible calls a familiar spirit. What is a familiar spirit? It, it actually translates to modern day psychic. This is a necromancer, a medium, peeping and muttering, yoga, a spiritualist. Basically, this is a person that converses with or, or, or supposedly interacts with the dead. You know, you go into a person uh, and, and, and you're like, I want to talk to a relative and they'll conjure up the spirit of a dead relative. You know, stuff like that happens. This is actually known in the Bible as a familiar spirit. Over these teachings, over the next couple of services that we have, I'll show you examples of this in the scripture. There's the spirit of jealousy. Manifestations of the spirit of jealousies, murder. Revenge, spite, anger, rage, jealousy, hatred, cruelty, strife, contention, competition, envy, cause of divisions. Scripture references, tons of scriptures. Again, I'll have all of this for you. There's the lying spirit. 
This manifests strong deceptions, flattery, superstitions, rebellious bondages, false prophecy, accusations, slander, gossip, lies, false teachers. There's the perverse spirit. The manifestations of the perverse spirit is the broken spirit, evil actions, atheist, abortion, child abuse, filthy mind, doctrinal errors, sex perversions, twisting the word, foolish, chronic warrior, worrier, like you worry, contentions, incest, pornography, different scriptures, spirit of haughtiness, arrogant, smug, pride, idleness, scornful, strife. Self-deception, contentious, self-righteous, rejection of God. There's a spirit of heaviness in the scripture. It talks about it's excessive mourning. Mourning, not like the sun rises and it's morning time. It's like when somebody dies and you go into a time of grief and mourning. Excessive mourning, sorrow, grief, insomnia, self-pity, rejection, broken heart, despair, hopelessness, depression, suicidal thoughts. There's a spirit of whoredoms. This is manifestations in unfaithfulness, adultery, prostitution, chronic dissatisfaction, love of money, fornicating, idolatry, excessive appetite, worldliness. This is real stuff in the scripture. I mean, it blew my mind. It's like, how come we can't seem to get breakthrough in certain people in these areas? Because there's a, there's a spirit that they need delivered from. That's why you understand why Jesus went around almost 50% of the time casting out, dealing with evil spirits in people. Actually, I read a passage today that he, he talked about the strong man. He said, if the strong man is not first bound, how can you carry away his possessions? So it's like, why do people not get free? Because we're trying to carry, we're trying to get them free. We're trying to get them the joy. We're trying to get them the breakthrough, but we're not binding the strong man first. Spirit of infirmity. How does the spirit of infirmity manifest? Bent body, a bent body or spine. Frail, lame. Asthma, hay fever, allergies, arthritis, weakness, lingering disorders, oppression, cancer. There's a spirit of, there's a deaf and dumb spirit the Bible talks about. What's the manifestations? Pretty straightforward. Deaf, mute, crying, drowned, tearing, blindness, mental, mental illness, ear problems, suicidal thoughts, foaming at the mouth, seizures, epilepsy, gnashing of teeth. There's a spirit of bondage. What's the spirit of bondage? It manifests through fears, addictions, drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, food, etc., Fear of death, captivity of Satan, servant of corruption, compulsive sin, bondage to sin, a spirit of fear. How does it manifest? Fears, phobias, heart attack, torments, horrors, fear of man, nightmare, terrors, anxiety, stress, fear of death, untrusting doubt. There's a seducing spirit in the Bible. How does it manifest? Hypocritical lies, seared consciences. Attractions, fascinations by false prophets, signs and wonders, deception, wandering from the truth, fascination with evil ways, objects, or persons. A spirit of antichrist in the Bible. What is, how does that manifest? It denies the deity of Christ, denies atonement, is against Christ and his teaching, humanism, worldly speech and actions, teachers of heresies, anti-Christian, deceiver, lawlessness. There's a spirit of error. It's error, unsubmissive, false doctrines, unteachable. Spirit of poverty. 
manifestations, laziness, it says, that goes on. There's a spirit of death. Don't know if you guys knew this, but the Bible actually calls death a spirit. Bible says in the book of Exodus that he told them to put the blood on the doorpost and that that evening a spirit, an angel of death, would come through the land of Egypt. What's the manifestations of the spirit of death? Obviously, death, sickness, suicidal attempts. If anybody wants that, I'll have that printed out. I'll print it out for you. And it goes into depth about all of these things. You can fact check it. You can scripture reference all of it. Amen. So there's actually different kinds. He said this kind does not go out except through prayer and fasting. There's different kinds of spirits that produce different manifestations in people. Y'all getting anything out of this? So I'm going to give you number three. You can write these down. Here's some of the effects of demons. As I said before, demons, when you open the door to a demon, what does it cause? Oh, you know, I was in my house and my light switch turned on and off and and I had a demon encounter. No, here's actual biblical effects of demon possession and demon influence. Number one, mutant deafness, Mark 9.25. It says, so a man was brought to Jesus, and Jesus cast out the demon. Say the demon. demon. He cast out a demon, and then the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed. Nothing like this has ever happened in Israel. I'm sorry, that's Mark, uh, that's Matthew 9, 32 through 33. Mark 9, 25. When Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. And he said, listen, you evil spirit that makes this boy, this wasn't a man, this was a child, unable to hear and unable to speak, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. So Jesus actually identified a spirit that was causing a boy to literally not be able to hear and not be able to see. What would we do today? Why do, we, why, why do we not see demons like that? Because we would just medicate it. We would just diagnose it. We would just gloss over it and say this is just part of it. When, and actually, it's an evil spirit. Y'all, and, I, and I, I want to get into this, but did you know that there are spirits that gain access into people's lives generationally? Did you know that the Bible talks about that, you know, that there's people that Four generations ago, they had an ancestor that practiced the occult, that practiced Freemasonry, that practiced witchcraft, and it opened a door to a spirit that's came down through their family. Now their great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren are suffering physically because of a spirit that needs to be dealt with, because of a strong man that needs to be bound. And I'm asking the Lord... I didn't, I went to Bible college and didn't have one class on demonology. Didn't have one thing taught to me about it. So I'm asking the Lord, Lord, show me, help, help unlock the ministry of deliverance really in this church. Because it's not as easy as bippity boppity boo. In fact, as I go through this teaching, I'm going to show you the effects of demons and then I'm going to answer the question, what opens the doors to allow these spirits into a a person's life? I'll go through some different things. A lot of times, a spirit can't be dealt with until there's repentance in a person. Until the issue is actually 
resolved at the root. So, muteness, deafness, here's some more effects of demons, blindness, Matthew 12, 22, a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak. You see that? A demon made a man blind. He didn't rudder, you know, he didn't ruffle his shades at night. He made him blind. Epilepsy, Matthew 17, 14 through 18. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them, and a man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures. Say seizures. I deal with kids that come up and say, hey, can you pray for me? And here's the thing. There's so much more. You know, you're not just having seizures because you're epileptic. Every time that there was epilepsy and seizures in the scripture, it was literally a demonic manifestation. It says he often falls into the fire or into the water. So this kid was having seizures, was suffering from epilepsy. And on top of that, it says that he often falls into the fire or into the water. Another gospel account of this is the man said the spirit often tries to kill the child, throwing him into the fire and into the water. So what is that? That's suicide. That's that spirit of death. Excuse me. I know that you guys know this, but it's not, it's not normal for a human being to kill themselves. It's not, it doesn't make sense. If you are an atheist watching this broadcast and you believe we all came from monkeys, that violates the law of nature. What is the law of nature? Self-preservation. Preserve your life, preserve your species at all costs. You know, it violates every spiritual law. It violates every scientific law. There's nothing in a person that should make them want to pull a gun to their head and pull the trigger or put a, a rope around their neck. I mean, I know I'm being graphic. That's not normal. That is a demon. That's another person doing that. Epilepsy, we covered that. Insanity, I'm not going to read the whole reference. You can write it down and read it yourself. In Mark 5, 1 through 18, this is the, the demon, the man that had the legion of demons, a thousand demons. And it caused him to be insane. It says that he was a madman, a crazy man. He lived in the graveyard. He ran around naked. He cut himself with stones. That also tells you, too, what causes these children to cut themselves Demon. Say demon. Say unclean spirit. And it's really sad, but a lot of these kids are suffering because of their parents. I don't think people really under, understand how the jurisdiction of God works. The, the blessing, when you're a child and you're underneath authority, the blessing or the curse flows through who's above you. You know, Derek Prince, one of the most powerful the modern deliverance ministries that have been in the last hundred years. He's passed away now. You know, he would not even pray for a child without their parent being present. If a child came to him to receive prayer, he would literally say, what adult can come stand next to this child that has, that has a say, that has authority? What adult can come up here and, and receive deliverance with this child so that tomorrow 
After I pray and this devil goes back, that it doesn't just, the devil goes out, that it doesn't just come back tomorrow. I mean, and it's true. I know that in, in Christianity, we just want to appease everybody and they want the quick bippity boppity boo, you're done, you're out, you got it, you're good. And that's not, that's not how it works. I'll show you the nature of a demon according to the scripture. The scripture says that it leaves and it comes back. A demon will always try to come back into the house in which it left, the person that it possessed, the vessel that it occupied. And if these things aren't dealt with, guess what? It finds a wide open door. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So some of the other effects, we've covered muteness, deafness, blindness, epilepsy, insanity. What are other effects of demons? All forms of sickness and disease. Matthew 4, 23 through 24. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. He healed every kind of disease and illness. Say every kind. And news about him spread as far as Syria, and the people soon began to bring to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, Brother Ian brought to me Friday night that the King James says, or had the palsy. What's the palsy? Well, modern, what is that? Cerebral palsy. There's different forms of palsy. What do we do? Medically diagnose it with people. But if somebody were to have cerebral palsy in Jesus' day, it was the source of it, the root of it, was a demonic spirit, an unclean spirit. And it says he healed them all. So what do you always have tied together? All forms of sickness and disease and deliverance. Every time you see that he healed them all, you're going to see deliverance side by side. Because as we're going through this, you see that the, the problem that people are having the root of it actually isn't a physical problem. The root of it is a demonic spirit that's manifesting in a physical way. People are like, oh man, I'm having lung problems, or I'm having heart problems, I'm having this problem. And it's like there's actually nothing wrong with your head. There's nothing wrong with your eyes. There's nothing wrong with your ears. It's a disembodied person possessing, influencing, infiltrating your life that's manifesting itself in that physical way. So all forms of sickness and disease, there's torments. What are torments? In Matthew 15, 22, it says a Gentile woman who lived there came in pleading, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon who torments her severely. I thought torments was like frightened her. You know, she's hearing voices. No, that word tor torments, it actually means Sudden aches and pains. Sudden aches and pains. That's what that Greek word torments means. He torments my daughter. What does that mean? His daughter was walking around. Ow, ow. Just sudden, like sharp needles hitting their body. That's the definition of torments. What was the source? Unclean spirit. How else does it manifest? Fear. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, a spirit, say a spirit, a what? A spirit of fear, a spirit of timidity. There is a spirit of fear, a spirit of timidity. Fear isn't just a natural occurrence. There is a demonic root to it. I love preaching this to the youth, but guys, I've seen it. I thought it was bad 10 years ago when I was in high school. It's even worse now. It's not normal. You ever watch old videos of 
people, they used to be able to talk to one another. A child, a teenager used to be able to walk up to a man and look him in the eye and shake his hand. Walk up to a person and have a conversation and make eye contact and look in their face. Do you notice kids nowadays really don't do that much? They won't look at you. Why won't they? And they, I'm telling you, a lot of them, they struggle so much with self-confidence. I, they don't even feel confident enough to look another human being in the eyes. That's not normal. That's not natural. That's a spirit of timidity that makes you so timid, you don't even want to speak. I don't want to speak too loud. If I do, somebody might hear me talking. I don't want to make too much commotion. If I do, somebody might notice me. That is a devil. That's a demon spirit of timidity. And you need to understand this too. A demon, people are playing games with demons. Demons don't want to be your friend. They want to possess you. They want to embody you. And they carry out the mandate of their master Satan, which is to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. They want to kill you. They're merciless. They want to kill your children. They don't care. You think things are horrifying, man. I see babies with cancer, little bitty babies with cancer, and it breaks my heart. It makes me sick to my stomach. I look at it, and I say, that is not right. I know in my spirit that what I'm looking at right now, that is not the way that God meant these little babies to live their life. And you know what? That demon is merciless. They don't care how horrific, how painful, how agonizing, how horrible it is. Demons are not here to be your friend. They want, they're sent from hell to kill you, to steal from you, to destroy you, and to embody you. Okay, so we talked about there's different kinds of spirits. We talked about different manifestations of spirits. Blindness, epilepsy, crippledness, insanity, torments, fear, Muteness, deafness, all these different things. Now, here's the question. Let's talk about this, the doors to demons. How do demons gain access to people? The door to demons. Y'all understand now a little bit more why yesterday my wife, she had to pat me on the back and just tell me, honey, I love you. It's okay. I was distraught when I saw that book in Target. You know why I was distraught? Because I've been studying this stuff. I realized that the six-year-old girl that reads that page, she ain't just reading some little cute thing and putting a little witch hat on and playing make pretend. She's opening, her, she's opening up her life to the spirit of death. She may turn 25 years old and, and have uh, one child die, another child die, a third child die, and a horrible tragedy in her life. What, what happened? Because when I was six years old, I read a prayer. I decreed a prayer that vouched myself to witchcraft, and I opened the door to a, a spirit of death, to a spirit of divination. Cancers, I mean, all kinds of stuff. You need to understand this. The doors to demons. How do demons gain access to people? Tell you a few ways. Number one, this is a quick one, but sin. Very simple, very easy. Sin. So I'm going to tell you here, that here's the nature of how 
people expelling demons, how it works. The Bible says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert. So an evil spirit leaves. A person gets delivered. Whatever that unclean spirit that was possessing them, influencing them, it leaves them. It says it goes into the desert. It goes out searching for rest, but it finds none. So it's constantly looking for embodiment, right? It goes out and it const- it's immediately looking for embodiment. It finds none. It says, I'll return to the person I came from. Say, I will return. So it returns and it finds that its former home is all swept and it's in order. Then... The spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they all enter that person. Now, because of this open door, we'll identify what this open door is. That person not only has one demon, it has seven demons now. That are more wicked. Man, maybe that, maybe that. Maybe that person just had a spirit of, of lust. And then it came back, and because of this open door, now they have a spirit of divination. Now they have a spirit of death. Now they have a spirit of deception. Now they have all this, these other demons that come that are more wicked, more wicked than itself. And they all enter that person and live there, and so that person is worse than before. So again, understand this. A spirit goes out. It tries to come back. Here's the question. What allows it to come back? Jesus answered this in John five fourteen. Jesus healed a man, and after he healed him, he came to him. He found him in the temple, and he told him, Now that you are well, stop sinning. Say sinning. Stop sinning, or what? Something even worse may happen to you. What's the even worse? The seven spirits more wicked than the first coming back and occupying the person. What opened the door? Say sin. Okay, so this is easy here. Sin opens the door to allow demons to possess and occupy you. Sin opens the door for you to be demonized. And I know the obvious, and we'll talk about this, but it's like, yeah, okay, I get it. If I run around sleeping around, if I run around cheating on my spouse, I could see how that opens the door. If I run around stealing stuff, I could see how that opens the door. Did you know that also idolatry is a sin? It's a commandment. It's against the law of God. You just say, well, what is idolatry? Well, you have a love for the things of the world. You have, a, you have something in the place of God. You've erected an idol in God's place. People don't understand. That's not just something you shouldn't do. That opens the door to a demonic spirit. You say, well, what else is against the law of God? You say, well, I'm not a murderer. Well, Jesus said if you hate somebody, you're a murderer in your heart. Well, do you know that there's a lot of people that the devil comes to tempt them and they give into that temptation and they get hurt, they get offended, and guess what? They fall into the trap of the enemy and they begin to hate another person. When they begin to hate another person, they allow sin into their life. That hatred is a sin and it's a wide open door for a spirit to come and demonize them. Well, you know, adultery, well, not only adultery, Jesus said if you lust after another woman with your eyes, you've committed adultery in your heart. I'll talk about a spirit in a moment of pornography. That's a wicked, dark, evil spirit, pornography. So say sin. Not everybody who is demonized 
has, again, not just possessed, influenced. Some of you may recognize some of the things that I'm saying and say, okay, well, according to the scripture, that's, that's demonic. This issue going on in my life is demonic. Listen to me. Not everybody that is demonized is because of sin, but everybody who sins will be demonized. Are you with me? Again, some things is passed through family members. Some things people were born into that you've got to break off. You've got to get delivered from. Some people have health problems. It's like, you know, we'd call, we, when you go to the doctor, what's one of the questions they ask you? Can you fill out your medical history? Not just yours, your parents, your grandparents. Why? Generationally. Generationally, my family's had this. Generationally, every woman in my family has died of breast cancer. Ge what is that? That's an unclean spirit. Are you, are you guys following me? Okay, so not only is blatant sin, because sin seems pretty blatant. I'm going to talk about the real exposure of the enemy here. How do we open doors to demons? And this is the title of my sermon tonight. Don't worry, I'm not going to keep you here till 9 o'clock. I'll split some of this up. But this is fellowship and association. How do people open the doors to these demons and these spirits in their life? Through fellowship. They do it through fellowship and association. I'll give you this statement. And then I'll go through some scriptures to help you understand it. But Satan uses media. Say media. What is media? Media is Hollywood. That's movies. That's music. That's games. Satan uses traditions like Halloween. Satan uses substances. What are substances? Drugs, alcohol, nicotine. To get you into fellowship with demons. Satan will use a little book from Target that's bought for a little girl to what? Get her into fellowship and association with demons. Because you may say something like, John, you're talking about sin. What six-year-old is running around killing people or, you know, what? I mean, really, an innocence of a child. But how do these demons infiltrate their life? Through fellowship and association. Through movies that they're watching, things that they're listening to, content that they're consuming, and I'll prove it to you through the scripture. Turn your Bibles, if you have them, to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to read 3 through 14. I know that I'm teaching tonight, and it's probably easy when I'm not just screaming and shouting and get on your feet and, you know, spin around six times. It's easy to, to get drowsy a little bit, but I appreciate you guys sticking with me. Hopefully this is helping you. Ephesians 5, 3 through 14. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, greed among you. Sins like this have no place amongst God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. 
You can be assured that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate with, in the things that these people do. So it's going to start setting this up. Listen to this. Do not participate. Listen to that word. Don't participate in the things that these people do. For you were once full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light, right? You were once dark, now you're light, so don't be participating with darkness. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Verse 10, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. And take no part. How much part? A little part? Right? Oh, I want my kids to be normal kids and do normal kid things. So they're going to take a little part. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. I'll talk about that, shed some light on it in a moment. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Okay, that's in the NLT. I'm going to read Ephesians 5.11, put uh, verse 11 up. I'm going to read it in the Amplified Classic Version. It uses a few different words that are closer to the original that will help you here. So where it says, take no part in the worthless deeds, listen to how the Amplified Classic says. It says, take no part and have no fellowship. Say fellowship. This word fellowship is what is getting people in trouble. How are demons gaining access to Christians' lives in the church through fellowship? Have no fellowship with the fruitless deeds and enterprises of darkness. Have no fellowship with darkness. Say no fellowship. But instead, let your lives be in such contrast as to expose and reprove and convict them. That word in fellowship in the Greek, it means to be this. It means to be partakers. So listen to me. Do not have, partake. Don't partake at all of the deeds of darkness. To fellowship means to co-participate. So you understand this? What's happening when we are, and I'll kind of peel the curtain back on this darkness that it's talking about a little bit more. What, what's happening when a six-year-old reads that spell book and, 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 and says those words out loud? What are they doing? They are participating. They are partaking. It means to share in the company of. So do not partake of darkness. Do not participate in darkness. Do not share in the company of darkness. A lot of people would say, Pastor John, I don't know how I could have demons. I'm not sitting in my room with a candle and a Ouija board conjuring up evil spirits. If you are, you need deliverance today for sure. (laughs) You may not be doing that. But maybe by the Netflix show that you're watching, the media that you're consuming, you are partaking, you are participating in this darkness, and you're actually what, doing what the Bible calls fellowshipping, fellowshipping with unclean spirits. 
I'm going to show you some more examples of this. But, you know, it's not even, uh, I, I'm seeing things now that I've never seen before. When I was in the Lufkin Mall, walking through the mall, I noticed the sign that's up every time this around, uh, around this year. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's a store called the, the what? The Spirit of Halloween. Say the Spirit. I used to read that and, not, you know, not think anything of it. But now that God's been showing me this, it's like it's not even hidden. It's blatant. And, you know, that's what the Bible actually says. In the last days, it says sin will be rampant. These demons, it's not even going to be hidden. It's going to be out there right in the open, right in front of your face. The spirit of Halloween. I'm going to do a, a really good job, I promise you, over the next month, as we go into this month, teaching you about Halloween and, and why you should have no part in it whatsoever. And why your kids and your grandchildren should have no part in it whatsoever. You know why? Because there's a spirit, a spirit associated behind it. And I don't think people understand. You think, well, you know, it's just innocent, right? It's just Halloween. It's just hocus pocus. It's just the spell book. It's just the store. What if I go in there? I'll just shop around. I'll look around. Guess what you're doing right there? You're participating. You're actually entering into fellowship. And I'll elaborate even more. But I'm just giving you a few examples. Say the spirit. When you buy from, you go in there, you buy something. Well, I'm going to buy a scream mask for my, you know, my seven-year-old. Guess what? You just partook. By definition, you just entered into fellowship. Brother John, you seem like you're being radical. Really? How many Christians are sick? How many Christians that if we read the, the, the biblical manifestations of unclean spirits, could you say, I know 10 people that claim to be Christians that could go boom, 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 boom. I, it's, it's rampant everywhere. Alcohol. I was telling the kids this. I said, you go to a liquor store. What are you going to see on the front? Beer, wine, and what? Spirits. Say spirits. Beer, wine, and spirit. It's not even hidden. It's blatant. Beer, wine, and spirits. It's funny that when somebody, a lot of people agree with this, when somebody gets drunk, they'll say of that person, wow, they become a completely different person. Right? Either you're, you're simply, you're quiet and reserved, and then when they get that hold of that spirit, they become out, they become loud. They start flirting with girls. They start saying stuff they never would have said in a hundred years. What is that? You're like, literally, they become another person. You're right. They are literally another person, a disembodied, unclean spirit. Or they start drinking. They're the nicest, kindest person I've ever met. And they start drinking, and they get, they get mad. They get angry. They get aggressive. What is that? It's another person. You're literally dealing with another person that's not that person. By definition of demonic spirit beer wine and spirits I, I the Lord showed me this you know there's a uh, brand of cigarettes and it's called anybody know the American what spirit the American spirit it's just blatant the American spirit. There's a spirit behind that. There, I'm telling you, there is a spirit behind. 
Out of this list that I, I listed off, behind nicotine, behind alcohol abuse, behind all of it, there is a spirit. You say, well, John, I'm not up there conjuring demons. I'm not in there playing with Ouija boards, really, but what are you smoking? What are you dipping? What are you drinking? And you're coming into fellowship with a spirit. Horror movies. What happens when you're watching horror movies? A spirit of fear, a spirit of death, a spirit of perversion. Horror movies anymore, they're not Friday the 13th, which is demonic in itself of, you know, 1980, Friday the 13th. No, horror movies now are half pornography, half horror. It's a spirit of death, a spirit of perversion, a spirit of fear. Talk to so many kids that say, I, I watch those movies. Mom, let me watch those movies. They don't scare me. Really, they don't scare you. You could watch it, and it may not even scare you. But then, now all of a sudden, the kid in your house, your 17-year-old your watched the movie, but now the 10-year-old's having nightmares at night. What's going on with that? It's because of a spirit of fear that comes in with that person, that goes home with that person, that lives in the same house with that person. How many kids got to commit suicide? For us to start taking this stuff seriously in the church. You start talking like this and you're going to hear Christians say, oh, I don't want nothing to do with that. You know, that's legalistic. Pornography. You know, the spirit that's behind pornography, spirit of murder, a spirit of perversion. I told the kids the same thing. If you watch interviews of serial killers. And you ask, you know, they'll ask these serial killers who mutilated human bodies, chopped them up into pieces, did the most horrifying, graphic, just gro gross things you could ever think. They'll interview these people and say, where did all this start? You didn't wake up one day and think, I'm just going to kill a human being and chop them up into pieces and put them in my freezer. I know I'm being graphic, but honestly, it's like, where did this start? You know what they'll all say? Pornography. Every one of them. Even before there was video, they would get a hold of the pornographic pictures, the magazines. And you know what that spirit does is the moment you get pornography in you, a person becomes an object and not a person. And now when that woman's an object and she's not a person anymore, it, you don't see her as a person. You see it an object of your sick and twisted pleasure. And now because I've dehumanized I can, you know, you can do these horrifying things. That's the spirit behind pornography. How, how many pastors would you hear? Probably counsel people. Someone comes in, a grown man comes in. Man, I've been struggling with pornography. Oh, brother, we all got our struggles. I'll be praying for you, but there's a lot worse that you could be doing. Amen. Are you kidding me? The spirit that you're opening up, not only do you, what about your children? What about your young sons, your daughters, your children that you're raising up? You think, oh, it just affects me. I'm not hurting anybody else. That's a lie. That's a lie. Child dies a premature death at 18 years old. Where, what happened? Well, maybe you watched pornography for 15 years and you opened up your life to the spirit of death. Fellowshipping with demons. Guys, I know this is heavy, but it's the truth. 
Oh, John, I don't watch horror movies. I don't watch pornography. You know, one, one show, me and my wife will tell you, we just didn't know. One show the ladies love to watch, some guys, is The Bachelor, The Bachelorette. I mean, I'm being honest with you. You know what's behind it? A spirit of lust, a spirit of drunkenness, adultery. I wonder how many women, married women, have watched that show, and then within a year or two, they've cheated on their husbands. Men have watched stuff like that. Within a year or two, they've cheated on their spouse. How? They open their life up to an unclean spirit. Guys, it's no, it's no secret. You watch stuff like that, you know what you're going to start wanting to do? The, angel, the devil comes like an angel of light. You're watching a bunch of beautiful people sitting around that are like, you know, I work one day a week and make a million dollars somehow and sitting around just sipping on cocktails. You're like, man, I think that I want to start sipping on cocktails. I think that I want to, you know, I want to be like that. I, it, it, it's literally, it's more than just psychological. It's a spirit. I said media, music, movie, say music. The enemy will use music, there's no doubt. I told the kids that, you know, he'll get you into participation. Again, part of that word fellowship, have no fellowship, it literally means participation. It means to partake of it. Fellowship, he'll get you into participation by singing words. I catch myself out of the blue sometimes. There's these songs that I knew as a kid that'll come up. There was this band. I didn't even like this band called One Republic when I was a teenager. Didn't even like them. They have this song. And, and one of the lines is like, I feel something so right about doing the wrong thing. And it's like you just like you're just walking around and you start humming these things. And, and all of a sudden, now that you're a born again believer, the spirit convicts you. And you're like, what words just came out of my mouth? I feel something so right about doing the wrong thing. What, what is that? That's, that's coming into fellowship with something. I'll tell you guys, before I was really saved, I used to dip. I used to like to drink. I used to like to smoke. I used to like to do all of those things. I got born again, saved, called into the ministry. And, and, and I'll tell you, the, the God honest truth here. When I first moved to Texas, this was what, five years ago, six years ago, I started working for the postal route, and, and out there I had no internet, all I had was the radio, you know, and so I'd drive my little postal route service, and, and I would listen to the country music, the bull, whatever it is, 105, the bull, these country songs, and I can tell you, it, it didn't take a week, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to dip, I wanted to drink, and I wanted to smoke again. Why? What is that? That is a spirit. That's the influence of, I have partook, I entered into fellowship. Because you start listening, then you start singing it, you start speaking the words, and you're actually partaking and entering into fellowship with the spirit that's behind that music. Which I'll shed some light on this now. I'm about done. I, I really am. I'll, I'll get you guys out of here. Verse 11, go back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. It says, Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. What Paul was talking about, the works of darkness. Sorry, I was looking at my notes here. The works of darkness is that he was actually referring to a form of paganism. 
You read about ancient literature. You had different, uh, the Druids and different pagan groups. So he's talking about the works of darkness. You can read, like Finnis Dake has a note on this, that literally it was rituals. These pagans, they'd get together, they'd put the hood on, they'd light the lanterns, they'd go out into the woods, into dark places behind closed doors, into secret rooms, and they would do disgusting, vile things, and that you weren't allowed to talk about it, you weren't allowed to speak about it, you were not allowed to speak to anybody about what you saw, what you heard, or what you did. If you did, your life would be threatened. And in fact, the very next verse, it says in verse 12... It is shameful to even talk about the things that the ungodly people do in secret. He's talking about these pagan, demonic, orgy things. I mean, it's just horrible that they do in secret. And so here's kind of my point in bringing this up. Did you guys know, you think that that's just something ancient people used to do. That stuff still happens today. You don't have to dig very deep, and you can begin to, to find testimonies of the few that have come out. That You know that stuff's happening in Hollywood today, left and right? Huge mansion parties where the athletes, the movie stars, the musicians, those that influence our media, those that are running our television programming, those that are in charge of education, people of high society... Who was around when you heard, heard of Jeffrey Epstein and that whole flight manifest and things that were going on on Epstein Island and in his private jet? You know, it wasn't just a bunch of old guys sleeping around with young girls. There, it was demonic in nature, ritualistic in nature. They'll go together to these private parties and they'll be told you can't speak of what you do, you can't speak of what you see, you can't speak of what you hear. I've heard t testimonial accounts of the biggest celebrities, again, mu music, movie, media, all of this stuff. Just politicians coming to these places, people walking through these mansions, and that they'll pass by different doors. And there's one demonic ritual happening in this room. They're passing by the next door. Orgies happening in the next room. I know it's being graphic, but I'm being honest with you. And then these are the people that are coming out. This is the spirit that's coming out and, make, and, listening, and writing the music that we're listening to on the radio. The movies that we're watching in the theater. And there's a spirit behind all of it. And you know what Christians are doing? Flocking and entering into fellowship with it. Partaking and participating with it. Well, I have so much more. I got several more pages of this I could teach. The Bible, it's just more extensive. I'm going to continue Sunday morning. Did you guys get anything from this? Did it help anybody? Yes. Help you understand some of this a little bit? What's going on? Lord, I pray you help me. I pray, y'all, I'm telling you. There's a, many excuses. Oh, you got the copies back there? You have four copies of, of the 16 different demons specifically mentioned in scriptures. We have four copies. We can make more. But guys, I understand there's a lot of things that go on in people's lives. Look, I know. 
I woke up, I didn't feel good. I woke up, I was tired. I woke up, it was inconvenient. This thing, that thing. There's always a million reasons why people say, that's why I couldn't show up. That's why, this is not something you want to miss. I'm telling you. Like, when I, read, when I see that in Target, I don't feel like grabbing a boycotting sign and standing outside of Target. I feel like, let's wake the Christians up. Save your children. Save yourself. Break demonic strongholds out of your family. Lord, bless them for being hearers of the word in Jesus' name. If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.